0: I was pleased to see you smile at
1: the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out
0: there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Uh, Lakers take game one in a classic versus Golden State. A great road win, although never a dull moment, right? Lakers give us a scare, as they have so many times throughout the year. Guys, we will... I'd love to do a whole segment on AD in the second segment. Um, And so let's touch on him a little bit, but give him our real focused attention in the second segment. But Mike, that, uh, that was a hell of a game. You were there. It sounded like a great atmosphere. Talk to us about what you saw.
1: It certainly was a great atmosphere. I was trying to explain to you guys before the game on text that it's still, it's a little bit different in this matchup where There's so much star power. There isn't a lot of the hate that there exists in some of these other markets in the West that the Lakers go to. And everybody was just there, like just excited to see these two teams go against each other. And Mm -hmm. certainly the LeBron part of it was the biggest thing. Of course, them in Golden State, although those were all in Oracle, um, those finals. And so there's a little bit different vibe between Oakland and San Francisco. And, And, you know, Darius can can attest to that but like it was still a great atmosphere and i thought that like the lakers the way that these teams had to shift in such a major way from round 1 both teams because the difference between the lakers and the kings is vast and the difference between the grizzlies and the warriors is vast and i thought that the lakers have just a bit of a better plan and the biggest reason is because of anthony davis and we saw why they, like they, they still need to get up on Wait well, here. Now I'm already starting to get into the technical stuff. Well, let's wait on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me give you a little bit more sort of vibe watch. And so kind of the Lakers, I think that as LeBron told us after practice, after yesterday's practice and Darvin ham said before the game, the warriors are going to make a push. They are going to make a big push. They are going to hit extremely tough shots, no matter how much you stick with them and you have to keep your composure. You can't get off kilter. You can't stop trying to execute. You can't stop working for good shots. Sometimes they're just going to throw some ridiculous shots in. And that started to happen during the run, which also coincided with the first time that they essentially went to Draymond on AD and went a little smaller. um, And, you know, with Looney off the floor and like the Lakers just hung on enough by executing. And it was the D low layup that ends up sort of being the difference that finally stopped that push. But They they stayed with it. And I think that while this was an Anthony, Anthony Davis was the story. I think that LeBron's influence in those in that kind of thing, having the one guy that has sustained that type of a run from Golden State so many times had everybody else in the right mindset to be able to do what it needed. They needed to do to get a hugely important victory. Like, I just I don't think we can emphasize how important it was for the Lakers to win this game. Um, with Golden State coming off of Game 7 and essentially remove home court advantage from them. I tweeted it out, and now I'm going to have to double-check what the stat was. But they were, I think it was like 20, or no, 19-2 and maybe in Game 1s in their building since 2015. And to go in there and and sustain that, and like now the Lakers, the seven-seeded Lakers who were, you know, 26 and 32 in February have a 1-0 lead on the Warriors, uh, and they won the one. They won the game in their building, and it's just a like they're not impressed by it because LeBron has the same. You know, it's only one; you have to get to four, but it's a very big deal. And if the if the Warriors come back and actually win that game, and then still feel like they have the adjustments going into Game Two, um, that could be the whole difference in the series and whether or not you advance or not. So it just it was a it was a a massive win for the Lakers that. They appro- they approached in a business like manner, Pete, um, and because they know better, and that is just uh, I think of major significance.
2: Yeah, and there are certainly many adjustments ahead, but it was great to see those first impressions. And uh, the it looked like the Lakers were in a different weight class; they're just a lot bigger than the Warriors. D and I thought that this was a great Styles make fights game, and will be a great Styles make fights series. It, the Lakers bludgeoning the paint. The Warriors, with some help from the Lakers' strategy on defense, just taking a ton of threes. They set a franchise record. The Golden State Warriors set a franchise record for threes in the first half in the playoffs uh, in this game. So, talk to me about that, man, because it's such a big difference for both the Lakers versus playing the Memphis Grizzlies, going from the Grizzlies to the Warriors, and then also the Warriors going from the Kings to the Lakers. Just a real whiplash type of effect.
3: Not only that, but like the refereeing. And like how tight the whistle was, like it was just a totally different environment this game than what I think both teams experienced the last series with the referees as well. By the end of that Kings Warrior series, they had known each – those teams knew each other seemingly so well because of the coaching staff stuff with well, with Mike Brown that – they were just jumping all over each other's actions and holding each other at the in the right places and and and, and just making it so that no one seemed to get anything cleanly, um, except for Steph, right? And Steph showed that off again late in in game one, but it was a Styles make fights game, Pete, and that idea of the Lakers being the team that wants to pressure the front of the rim. They want to play a physical game. They want to get to the foul line. They want you in the bonus. The Warriors are the team that want to use your size against you and space you out and spread you out in order to get shots up from behind the arc. And you've always used this this great analogy, I think, about the Air Force and and like the Army. The ground forces, yeah. This great ground troop versus like the the team that that can play like above the rim with all this athleticism. Like, I don't know if the Lakers are necessarily the the Air Force, but I know that the Warriors are like the Navy that's firing missiles. Like they're the
2: artillery (laughs) from a distance. Yeah, the archers in an older sense, yeah.
3: Right, because these guys... I thought strategically, we've talked a ton about, and Darwin did this before pregame as well, that the idea was like, hey, we want to run these guys off of the line. And they still got up 53 threes. So half of their shots, they took 106 shots and half of them were from behind the arc. And it's going to be difficult to run them off of the line if you're going to play off of their big men yep. the way that the Lakers are. Um, It puts so much pressure on the Lakers guards to get over the tops of screens in order to to contest shots. And I just thought the chess match of that simple X's and O's and neither team really going away from those from the things that were like that initial part of their game plan and both teams feeling like we can win this way right? Yeah. And it was a one point game at halftime. It took a LeBron James, like 20 foot jumper before the halftime, basically on the Lakers last halftime possession for them to go into halftime with, with a one point lead. They were basically back and forth the entire first half after a terrible start. We didn't even talk about the start. The Lakers start one for eight, two. yeah, right? The Warriors aren't much better. I think they were four for 11 at that point, but you could already see the idea of the late after that though the Lakers really settled in Pete and they started to go more to their paint heavy attack get get AD involved and the rest of the game was like that it was both teams basically just playing to their strengths over and over and over again and asking the uh, and asking the other team questions can you stop this can you stop this and by the end of the game it was the Lakers who won out fittingly with a bucket near the paint. By mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell, right? And yep. all of these guys were just getting downhill. So tell me what you saw in this game, because there was so much to digest.
2: I want to start with Jared Vanderbilt. How fun was ah. he, right? So yeah. it was one of those things We when we previewed this series, we were thinking like, hey, you know, someone's going to have to guard Wiggins and... You're not going to want one of the guards to do it, right? But that's exactly what happened. They start out with D'Angelo Russell on Andrew Wiggins, and it's Vando chasing around Curry. And this, to me, I just have to delight in this for a second. So we trade for Vando, and you know I'm familiar with the players around the league. It's nothing like my fam- familiarity with the Lakers, but Vando is like this, you know, f- guy who's played the four five. He's this big man, but he's got some athleticism, right? He's got some tools. And I remember our early conversations about him and it was like, yo, you think Vando can defend the wing? And when he starts doing it, he has a good game against BI, uh, Luca. He had a couple of like a string of games where it was like, man, he's guarding these like high end wings. I think Vando can guard wings. And then (laughs) he starts guarding progressively smaller guys. He's like, is great game on Devin Booker, who, depending on if you're asking Mike or myself, you know, Michael claim him for team wing. I claim him for team guard, Booker. But he gets progressively smaller. And then all of a sudden, he starts out on John Morant to start last series. And it's like, all right, I see that, right? Like, we're funnel; They're not great jump shooters. There's a way to do that. But in the preview, I'm like, there's no freaking way that he's chasing Steph Curry around. And because to me, that's the pinnacle of... Can you guard a perimeter player? Is can you defend Steph Curry with a, any level of competence, right? It's the hardest job that there is in terms of defending the perimeter. And so. <laughs> He goes out there, and the thing, and Vando is talking to you about this in post game, Mike, about, he's like, I'm not digging down, which is when you help from one pass away, right, you leave your man to just, like, help a little bit, I'm not rotating, it's like, I bet you Vando is great at tag, at the game of tag, right, it's like, go chase that guy around, that's basically his job, so it was one of those things, Mike, I went from, like, I don't think that's gonna happen, to in the first three minutes, I'm like, oh, this is freaking great, this is exactly what we should be doing, so talk to me what you saw about Vando.
1: I was just thinking that if you're out at like third grade recess and you're playing tag yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to get away from Vando.
2: <laughs> Very difficult. I got a good, a I got day. a funny story from uh, from junior high that I think we'll, maybe we'll get to, to to that later in the series, but yeah, running away from the bigger athletes is, is difficult.
1: I mean for, you know, for the other kid, it's going to be like, it'd be like trying to eat soup with a fork. And unfortunately when I went down <laughs> to the meal room, to grab my dinner and get back up quick to get the pod and I, uh, I there wasn't a, a spoon inside the silverware set and so here I am Aww. with this massive chicken tortilla soup uh, and I'm about to have to eat that with a fork so big <laughs> soup energy, that's not great and uh, I, I still want to hear about the, the Soriano family battle here as the Lakers take, take game <laughs> one but yeah so Vanderbilt the the way that that he described it as Pete you just alluded to, it's he actually he liked it in a sense that it was, hey, this is your whole job. Yeah. Just chase him around. Don't leave him. Don't help. Face guard him. Like whatever you have to do. That's that's your job. And and Steph finally got unlocked for some of those ridiculous shots in the fourth quarter. But those are the basically pat you on the butt type shots. Like, okay. You know, you just have to live with those and then go try and execute on the other end. And and as LeBron pointed out, the Lakers had a bunch of really good looks down the stretch too. Like D'Lo had a wide open corner three that would have put him up thirteen. Uh, didn't love AD's shot, but I, I, the way that he played, you want to take a three? Go ahead. You know I'm not going to get mad at him about almost anything um, after that game. And then AD shot in the paint that rimmed out. The, the putback not going in. So like those were, those were the the reasons on top of Golden State, you know, hitting some ridiculous shots that things got as tight as they were. One of those hoops goes in. And the separation remains. So, uh, and I'm I'm getting a little bit off of Vanderbilt here, but in that stretch in the fourth quarter, he had a big three uh, that was that yeah. was part of that initial push to get it up longer. And then he also had had the steal, um, and then can, that was earlier in the quarter, but then hit one of two, so he was three for four at the line. And you know to to be able to get that kind of production from the Lakers or from Vanderbilt on the Lakers on a night where. Rui Hachimura played really well in his first shift, hit both of his shots, got to the free throw line. He only ends up playing 11 minutes, you know? And and so they've got, though, they've got different guys that can step up in spots around Anthony Davis as the number one base, LeBron sort of deciding where to fill in, Russell taking a big-time scoring role when, you know, as the third option, Austin hitting a couple of big threes, Dennis having his best game in a while, I I think he kind of hinted that his Achilles is feeling better than it was last round. Mm-hmm. And that was what was really limiting him, which we kept wondering that it must be something physical, right? Because he wasn't really moving like himself last round. So to be able to call upon Vanderbilt, who did not have, you know, the the consistent type of impact, um, even though he did have some good games against Memphis and the, the importance of that, I thought can't be understated. And so that was, uh, I'm glad that you highlighted it early, Pete.
3: I thought one of the most important things that Vanderbilt did early in the game was just deny Steph the ball and just deny him touches that he Steph is coming off a 50 point game where he shot 38 times in 38 minutes. And so when he really wants to get it going, he just gets the ball and he just has it the entire time. And once he has it, it's very difficult to get him to give the ball up unless he just does it voluntarily and I think the warriors and we'll talk adjustments in like the next pod and when we start to talk about the game 2 stuff but one of the adjustments that I think the warriors are going to do is just give the ball to Steph earlier in possessions and tell him like stop giving it up as much and try to get into more pick and roll actions try to create more in in isolation but I thought Vando shadowing Steph the way that he did and and sort of serving as this ball denial and guy who was just pressuring the ball, I, like my my oldest who who was starting to play basketball a little bit, she was watching, and this was a play, and it must have been a second half play, but Steph had gotten the ball and he was dribbling around, and he Vando was in a trail position. And then he dribbled to the left side of the wing and AD picked him up. And then Steph dribbled underneath the right side of the basket. And then he jumped up to try to throw a wraparound pass. And then Vando came and he got Deflected the steal. It. Yeah. Right. And then Steph really didn't run back on defense. And my daughter commented like, Steph looks a little lazy right now. Yeah. And I said, oh, I don't, I wouldn't call him lazy. I just think that he's worn down. Right now, mm-hmm. I said, Look how much bigger Vanderbilt is than him. Look how much bigger Anthony Davis is than him. And these guys are just hounding him all over the court and just chasing him and chasing him and chasing him. And I thought that Vando's ability to deny Steph the ball and just make sure that he wasn't getting clean touches and then provide a bunch of back pressure pete like when he was coming off the screens i thought that was some of the most important defensive work that vando did all game was just limiting his time of possession to use like a sock to use soccer parlance if you're going to be a ball control team you need the ball yeah and (laughs) vando was making it so that steph didn't have the ball as much as he typically would would have and i thought it paid great dividends for the lakers
2: and this is That is a tangible example of what I've been arguing about, uh, about pressing fatigue, like a bigger athlete chasing you around and shadowing you around for an entire series. There are going to be possessions like that where it's like he got the deflection and Steph didn't run back. And your daughter comments like Steph's looking a little lazy on this play, right? It's it's that every single play and like Vando is one of them dudes mike where he's just like he's gonna be on top of you every play and i not gonna get tired and he's just a big athlete with motor that that will have some value later in the series as well the the reps that happen right now
1: and so before you toss the break pete i just i wanted to try to underscore again the value of winning game one in this context and Like, Golden State, so Steve Kerr said before the game, somebody asked him, hey, is this the Lakers' biggest advantage they're going to have because they have rest going in? And he said, no, I think we have the advantage because Mm -hmm. we're in rhythm. And while I can make the case for the other side, and, like, certainly I think in the Lakers' context with LeBron James, they did need those extra couple days to rest. Like, But Golden State very easily could have clipped this game if a couple things went a little bit differently. But, like, the Lakers were the better team. Uh, over the course of the game, and they now like it's having to make adjustments after a loss is just so much different in, in this context, especially um given how Golden State has played home versus road. And, and we, with that said, we just saw what they did in Game Seven against the Kings. But like the Lakers got the job done, and now they they had to endure that Golden State run, um, which reminded me a little bit of the way that Memphis came back at the end of game three, Um, although this one was much tighter, that one never got too close. And then I thought that the Lakers responded with pretty good energy in game four. And so now I think golden state started to throw out some of the stuff that they're going to use as counters. And, you know, LeBron and Tristan Thompson, like they're, they're talking about what they're going to do in game two already. And like that to me has some value in its own right. Just that like the Lakers know that golden state gets stronger after you beat them. But that's still a hell of a lot better than having them win first and then try to make some adjustments.
2: Yeah, a really big win tonight. And the main reason for that was Anthony Davis. So let's take a break, come back, talk about the big fella.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
2: So as a lifelong Laker fan, one of the things that I've come to realize over the last decade or so is the team's ability to kind of hide in plain sight, right? And there's a lot of reasons for that, but... No individual player, I think, in my time watching the team has ever exemplified that, like Anthony Davis. I've been genuinely stunned by the lack of recognition for the quality of a regular season that he had. And I'm starting to hear more and more like, oh, he's the defensive player of the playoffs. Or he's like, this is a playoff thing that's, that's new from him. And it's like, no, 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 he – was amazing this season, and our defense was way worse without him, and he carried us. When we were 2-10, and LeBron was out. He was hurt, and AD helped lift us just out of that first rung that we really needed to be lifted out of, and he was great all year. He missed the official leaderboards by just like two games. He would have been the leading rebounder in the NBA. His defense and just his overall game tonight, Darius, we're watching a historically – an all-time great big man. In Anthony Davis and I'm glad and I'm a little frustrated by the lack of recognition that it, it that it takes so much greatness from him for people to be like oh Anthony Davis is actually really amazing like yes he gets hurt or there he has games where he will drift and whatnot but like I feel like he's viewed through such a critical lens and I know this is a passionate topic of yours D so take it away from here man talk to us about a historic night from Anthony Davis
3: he's an unreal player after the game, LeBron said, you know, and he joked a little bit after, like, I'll take my watch or maybe my car after, like, juicing up his boy a mm-hmm. little bit. But he had basically said, like, um, because AD had a 30-20 game. He had five assists and he had four blocks. Of 30-20 games, last Laker to do that was Shaq. And four other Lakers have done that Shaq being one of them, Elgin Baylor, another criminally underrated historical figure within the Lakers organization, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you might've heard of him, and Wilt Chamberlain, probably heard of him as well. How's that for company? And so LeBron was asked about AD's performance and within the context of that sort of stat, he's like, yeah, basically like AD's number three is going to go out there with those guys." This franchise is known for having its great big men, and Anthony Davis is the next one, basically. And he showed that again. And it's not a fluke. Anthony Davis is is not a fluke, particularly in the playoffs, Mike. Anthony Davis is a playoff performer. And he may not have always had the teams in New Orleans, but they had a really good series win against... um, Blazers that one year and he his exit from New Orleans sort of I think muddied his credibility a little bit as a superstar player and the lack of postseason success overall might have damaged him in in some way shape or form when you combine it with with the injuries this dude came to the to the Lakers and in his first season he won a championship And he was literally being talked at, talked about as like a player on par with like Giannis and LeBron and truly like one of the best players in the league. And for some reason, after the injuries, he's no longer viewed as one of those guys. It's remarkable. And it's only been injuries. It hasn't been because when he's on the court, he's played poorly. It's not like he's suddenly a guy who's getting you 17 and eight. It's just like, what? Like what happened to Anthony Davis? Like, no. This year he was a 27 and 12 and a half player with a combined four stocks. He's yeah, on elite a great efficiency. Yep. He's elite. And I heard you earlier today, Mike. Um we're recording this it it's actually yesterday now, but we are recording this a little uh, it's the stroke after midnight. Right now, But I heard you on Ryan Rosillo's pod. It was a great appearance. You should go listen to Mike talk on on, uh, Rosillo's pod. And Rosillo was sort of talking about Anthony Davis's up and down play this postseason. And Mike, I was super happy that you butted in at that point and basically said he's been up and down some offensively, but defensively, he's been the best defensive player all playoffs. And the level that he's playing at defensively isn't it's like on par with what elite offensive players are doing. And so it's like if you truly it's like, you know, defensive players rarely win MVP like in the NFL. Right. You have to have such a a ridiculous defensive year where you get like 25 sacks or something where you're just so dominant to beat out a quarterback. But AD is having that sort of Playoffs right now defensively, where just on that side of the ball, his impact on that side of the ball is as great as what the great offensive players have on the offensive side of the ball. And he did that to the Warriors again. He had this stupid block on Andrew Wiggins, where Wiggins is like literally Euro stepping. (laughs) Yeah, Euro stepping by him. And AD basically just like the way that you might like in WWE, where you're like, Falling out, and then you're about to like tag your tag team partner. AD reached back and tagged the ball and was just like, Nope, you ain't blocking that. Like, it's like a no look block.
2: (laughs) It was, yeah.
3: These defensive plays that he's making are literally dumb, they do not make sense. He is playing at such an elite level, but if you look around the league, oh, Anthony Davis is like the 15th best player in the league or something stupid like that. And so I don't want to get, I feel you, Pete, because I'm frustrated too, around the lack of recognition, but that's like sort of like my fan brain talking. Mm -hmm. The other part of my fan brain, Mike is basically saying, thank God the team I like has this dude (laughs) on my side because it must be a horrendous experience seeing this dude on the other side of the court unreal an unreal ad performance i think i think one of you
1: guys pointed this out in our our text thread but opposing coaches and opposing players certainly don't underestimate anthony davis you know they are the guys that are on the courts fear him you know they really do on both ends and it's tough to break out of narratives right and some of them are earned some of them are not like but the The narratives going into this series about LeBron and Steph and their historical greatness and that matchup and all that earned, right? Like they're, they're going to get benefit of doubt as well. They should, Um, you know, it wasn't LeBron's sharpest offensive game tonight, right? He was nine for 24. He was one for eight from three and slipped some in the fourth quarter. But like with Davis, the, the narrative. And I think when he got hurt again uh, and the Lakers were, were struggling record wise and like, we don't need to get into the whole thing and the fit with Russ and what the roster was and all that. But uh, he's been, he's been very good. It basically took him a couple of games to get going. And then he was in a really, really good rhythm. It seems like a long time ago, right. That the Lakers went into Milwaukee. Remember that game in AD, like kicked Milwaukee's ass. Mm-hmm. And, and he got hurt not soon, like not long after that. And then he came back and it took him a little bit, but he basically, basically got going. And, dominated the NBA defensively after the all-star break dominated and got the Lakers to the seventh seed where they were only a couple of games in the win column away from the four seed, And yet like in a, if just looking at, looking at that season, watching the games, looking at the stats, all that, it's like, Oh, Anthony Davis is obviously one of the top 10 players this season, even like with the seventh seed going into what that series is. Okay. Well, you don't believe it. Well, what happened in round one? You know, what was the biggest reason that the Lakers won that series? Anthony Davis, his defense consistent through six games, and then basically every other game also finding a way to make a major impact on offense, despite Memphis's game plan, starting not with LeBron, but with Anthony Davis. Uh, Taylor Jenkins revealed that multiple times. So fast forward to this game. All right, Golden State, you want to try to get away with having Looney on him. Didn't work. You know, he destroyed Looney, who was... Talk about narratives. Now, Looney has been kind of like the toast of the playoffs. Yep. And for a great reason. He's been great. Another 20 rebound game tonight. He he got the loudest cheers outside of Steph um, in the arena every time. Mm. So when, and, and this is one thing I do like about Golden State fans. Like they're I think they're they're better than a lot of fans, like where they they recognize certain things that are important. And part of it is because they've seen a lot of good basketball. Lately. And so when Looney is scrapping in there and getting offensive rebounds and had a putback, like that's the type of energy and effort that they cheer rightfully so. But he also was just getting his ass kicked by Davis on the other end. And, and how could, like, he's not equipped to guard Anthony Davis. It's not long enough. He's not quick enough. And when AD was being aggressive. So it's just, we're, we're going harder on this point uh, because it, it's, I think all three of us believe in sort of fairness and uh, and sort of righteous equity if you're actually yep. really watching what he's been doing. And and LeBron after the game, after, Darius talked about kind of him waxing poetic about AD, but before he said all that, he said the same thing Darvin Ham was, which is was like, like, yeah, guys, that's
2: that's Anthony Davis. Right like hello you know that's why it's it's this whole idea that he has to prove himself like yeah. he was hurt and if you want to this has been a well, weird thing a title, right he like, won a title like some with, of the th- with, lists i see are i'm like are you so serious keep, you have this guy
4: ahead of Anthony, Anthony Davis? Second, please business, please so
2: you know
1: watching the so the mvp uh was announced right and Joel Embiid goes on inside the NBA and and I get it I I thought in the regular season like I would have given the tiebreaker to Giannis based on that he's done it in the postseason and Embiid has not yet to that extent and neither has Yogesh well you know who has Anthony Davis he has his stuff we've already seen translate to the top level of playoffs they beat three teams in the west 4-1 and then they, w- they won 4-2 in the finals. The only reason that, that wasn't 4-1 is because Jimmy Butler went absolutely nuclear, mm-hmm. which he has proven again that he does against the best talent. Uh, and that's why that series didn't uh, end in five in the mama jerseys. Like, and then they came back and they kicked the shit out of him in game six with Anthony Davis uh, dominating in a lot of ways, right? So it's just <laughs> a, like, uh, that's the stuff that gets me fired up because we already have proof of concept of ad's game on both ends translating to the biggest stages to the biggest moments to being able to dominate defensively and be a big problem defensively or i mean on on the offensive side so he's gotten hurt in the previous couple of years uh, for you know not massive amounts of time but enough to have it to have the narrative of him being injured all the time and and that has skewed way too much against the player that he has been when he's been on the court um so there you go. There's a couple more points of emphasis for it, but I I just don't, I don't know, like, is he going to have to win the title again this year and like be the finals? MVP? It, like, is that what it's going to take? Um, maybe, you know, cause it, but it's the, the resume that he has been, it, that he has built so far, just in these seven playoff games is more than almost any player, um, any big that's played in the last 20 years. So it's, it's just like, That's why we're emphasizing this as a collective here.
2: He's a historic two-way player and I'll always remember Kobe's reaction to like whether or not they should have traded all the young guys bi and lonzo and all them and kobe was like flabbergasted by the question like have you seen anthony davis play was basically the point of what he was saying and so like we, we all know the kobe face right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right and so it's just like i hope there's a greater appreciation for the fact that we're watching a historic player in anthony davis uh as darius said we're recording this you know we, we're past midnight now and we haven't done our rewatches or anything like that but the does did anything stand out to you about AD on the offensive end in particular? Because he started out like he's been dominating games defensively, but this was a great game by him on offense, particularly you know that that first half he was I think he had 21 in the first half uh on like nine of ten shooting at one point. What yeah. what was getting him all those good let, looks? Let me prime this slightly more though, Darius. Like
1: yeah, I guess Pete just just did the the follow up I was going to do, but after the first time out, he started they started just getting him the ball right in that little mid post area and and Mm in like over and over and he kept finding ways to get in there and he kept getting it done
3: yeah pick and roll actions little pocket passes he was pete like one of the things that ad can do and you've talked about this a bunch is sometimes he will roll all the way into where all the traffic is and then it's difficult to get a catch he was rolling and but he was doing like half rolls, like short rolls. And this is where Golden State sort of expertise as a drop defense team, even when they play Draymond there, right? But they do this with Looney as well. Is when you play against a drop team who also goes over the top of screens because you have skill guards, the pass that's there is the little pocket pass that goes into like the foul line area. Right. And after after you get the ball there, the shot that's there is the little runner or the little push shot or the little short jumper. Yeah,
2: they're going to shut off getting all the way to the rim on the roll. They're, that's what they're built to do.
3: Yes. And so, in fact, the one time that he did roll free, um, Dennis missed him and he didn't throw the lob. Mm-hmm. He, he hit a pull-up jumper. Mike astutely texted that, us that. Yeah. yeah um, during the game. But... The thing that I noticed about AD Pete, it was when he had Looney on him, and I didn't hammer this point enough. I think, like in the pods that we did in the lead up to to this series, but Looney is the exact sort of defender that like is not going to give AD a ton He's of. He's got problems. no chance,
2: and Looney's such a good player; it's just a really bad matchup for him.
3: Yeah, like AD he, he's he's tall and lanky like like he's basically the same physical build as AD but he has no physical so he has no physical advantages against him like he he's got the same sort of high high waist and hips, he's got the same sort of long arms but he is not the same leaper, he's not even as tall as AD. Um, He doesn't have the same foot speed or lateral quickness. And so AD sees a player like Looney and he's able to attack him in ways. And so some of the moves that AD got in this game, he wasn't able to go to any of those moves during... The Memphis series because Jaron Jackson Jr. is just such a superior one on one defender to Kevon Looney. And so, like, the play that never worked against Memphis, and AD went to it like twice in one game and never went to it again, was like the isolation left wing, rip through baseline, and then power up for the finish, like on the strong side basket or going to to the reverse layup. And basically, that didn't work once against Memphis. He, he may have gotten it to work once, but it basically never worked. And And so he stopped going to it entirely. He went to that and it worked the very first time. Yeah. that he tried it against looney and and he got a reverse layup his first basket of the game he basically drove right at him and got a layup right right at the basket and so when ad starts to feel his comfort level then the jumper starts to fall a little bit and the fact that he took two three he missed both threes that he took but the fact that he was eagerly like hey i want to take a three right now that is indicative to me of a mindset of the player that is in his offensive zone of like i I'm on it this game, and that's the version of of AD that is going to be difficult to stop. Now, Draymond is going to give him some issues, Pete, and we'll see how how that goes. But by the time Draymond was on AD as well, AD had played the entire second half. He, Mm -hmm. He had basically played 20 straight minutes. And now Draymond, who had been in foul trouble, was basically foaming at the mouth Being like, I'm just gonna shove this dude all over the court. And and AD was resting on offense in order to try to be the elite defensive player that he needed to be to stop the Warriors from scoring. So I don't wanna give AD an out with that. He was stuck on 30 points for a long time and he finished with 30 points. So he did not close the game as strong offensively. But I thought the tone that he set. Very early on in the game, after that one for eight start by the team, he settled the team in offensively, and everyone else sort of formed in around him. And, and it was crucial that he was able to score as effectively and efficiently as he did. And that
1: last block that he had uh, came on Steph, right with a minute and eight seconds left.
2: Huge play, yeah, got us um, in transition the other way. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's you know that's where LeBron ends up getting fouled, and and so. Yeah, it, like, it's just so obvious how great AD was in this game. And I think that the key now, we've had this conversation, just to bring a last thought about LeBron on this, because I think the the main adjustment that the Lakers can get for a chance to win game two is to have a more in rhythm, sort of more, uh, Darius, you pointed this out a while ago, like there, because you, you were looking up the days off thing. And if, it's like LeBron needed the rest, but it also, maybe the engine wasn't quite tuned up you know enough where and like he he still deployed it i thought positively in a lot of ways but in that fourth quarter um it wasn't there in certain spots and and that's to me going to be whether or not the lakers can go up to O is going to depend largely on lebron because like they're going to make their adjustments on ad uh I, I would love it if if they put draymond on him and he was just as aggressive and he still got to those spots it, it's just like easier said than done and you know draymond's going to they're allowed going to allow him to be more physical um in those kind of settings and especially with the crowd the way it's going to be in game two but that's the thing I'm gonna be looking for the most um is leBron um'm heading into game two and then you know the other thing just if like Dennis was great right night sure. shooter but can they get Rui out there uh more in in what context do they use the three guard lineup in you know versus like Reeve's playing 39 minutes and I, that's another thing we didn't even have time to get into but i I'll just LeBron's going to be where I'm watching most uh, when the first quarter of game 2 starts.
2: Yeah, the elusive LeBron jumper. This is all happening with LeBron as like a sub 20% three-point shooter and if he can at some point get back and that's there's no guarantee, but if he can get back to his just close to his historical averages in the playoffs from 3, that's just a whole nother dimension that gets opened up for the Lakers offense. Plenty more to talk about. We will be back uh, tomorrow to give some of our thoughts on adjustments, what we think not only Golden State will do, but also the Lakers to see who can win game two. A classic in San Francisco tonight. We will be back to on Thursday morning to discuss all those adjustments. But until then, you can listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale
3: wants to turn double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tipped the magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Expires again, and the Lakers win the game! The Lakers win the game! Here on the Three seconds left. That next will the winner. It's on the way. Goal! 48
1: points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston? Of all places? Are you
1: kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane,
0: back for Gasol. Ready pass, and it's back to a three-point game.
1: Kobe Bryant picked up by
0: Bell. There's the First move. Two, score. Score. one, miss it. it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's over. It's over.